You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. If you've got your Bibles open, we've been going through Matthew, so open up to Matthew 10 to 16, starting at 16. Matthew 10, 16. I'll start. (coughs) We're reading pretty much to the end of 10, so it's a little bit, so read along so you can really, if that helps. I'm sending you out, sorry, a bit of backstory. This is Jesus. Um, He's been on the mountain. And unintentionally, the last three weeks have kind of worked as its own series, starting with John Edwards, uh, talking about posturing ourselves ready for mission, spiritually. Then super practically last week, and then this week, what we'll encounter when we're out there. The kind of the, the good, the great, the great, and the ugly, <laughs> if you will. And so this week, kind of, we didn't mean it to be a bit of a series, but it's been a three parts, I really felt. And Jesus is telling us the ugly of what can happen when we step out. Here he goes. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At the time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will portray brother to death and and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You'll be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called uh, Bezabel, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concerned that will not be disclosed, concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those that can kill the body, because they cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. There's a little bit more to read, but who's encouraged? Who's uplifted? What an uplifting bit of scripture. Looking forward to it all week. A man's enemies will be some members of his own household. 
Anyone who loves their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes, welcomes me. Welcomes you, welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if everyone gives a cup of cold water to one of those little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, the person will certainly not lose their reward. Like I said, and one of the things that brings, for me, validity to the word of God, among many things, is that if you're going to write a book, if you're going to sit with a bunch of people in a room and say, we're going to write a book about this guy and we're going to make it up, you don't put things like that in there. You skip those teachings. You go, did he say that? I can't remember. Let's go back to the bit where he says, love one another. (laughs) But... It's truth, right? And so with this, with stepping out into the mission field, with following Jesus, there is a real world cost. It out, the, the spiritual reward of having life in the creator is obviously better, but there is a physical cost. There is a worldly cost. We live in a place that is set up to not want to hear the truth. And so Jesus is very clear here about what happens when we step out. You can skip just a couple ahead, Miriam. That's right, I'm going to just skip a couple ahead on the last two sermons. This warning that Jesus gives, I reckon, in this room you know this is not unrealistic. You know, or you know this is a realistic picture that Jesus is painting. I've come in contact time and time again with people who have felt this. They've stepped out and they've felt pushback. I don't want to pretend we live in the East where we actually are at this stage in fear of our lives a bit more comfortable than that in the west but you would have experienced this you step out you say right jesus i'm all about this i'm all about you and you felt some sort of pushback i was thinking of that clip i don't know if you watched the simpsons i thought it was enough to reference the simpsons in church without showing the clip so i'll just go with a half a half sin but ned flanders it shows him in the 70s pull up in his car, when it's in the background, it's got Jesus is still all right. And he's this young, energetic man. And then he meets Ned. And he just shows Ned calling him. He goes, with this one problem, next problem, next problem, calling him, calling him, calling him. And you just see him age and go grayer and defeated. And by the time he gets to Marge Simpson, he's just slumped on the desk and sort of says, What do you want? The moment you step out in any, not just, in, in, not just paid ministry, in any mission, There's a pushback. And what happens to us? Well, I've seen people that have stepped out. They've they've had a word from God. They've said, this is where God wants me to go. I'm excited about this. 
and then someone's cut the legs out of them, out of it. And you notice I've seen a couple of things happen in churches. One, people go, all right. And for the rest of their life, they attend church, but never again to fear stepping out in that way again. They become a sort of pew warmer. And therefore get claws sometimes even of their own. Or some people leave the church, and we all know people that have left churches because of attack, because they tried to do something, they tried to step out, and it was just too much. And so Jesus teaches us, he gives us a warning, because he doesn't want us to be surprised by this, and he gives us three types of wolves that we can encounter if we step out. Wolves we may face. 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Not a discouraging message this morning, just a realistic message that if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to get serious about our faith, we may encounter some stuff that's hard. I like how he refers to us as sheep, though. It's not our job when we're on mission to be manipulative, aggressive, to get people to believe what we believe. It's our job to be meek, humble, not, don't, not powerless, but soft in our approach, filled with love. Mez is going to speak about this next week. Presence with people. Sit with people. Hear people. Not ravage them like a wolf. So here are the three things Jesus highlights that I want to go through this morning so that we can be better equipped when we get to our workplace or where we live or what we're doing Monday equipped for what we might face now the first one is probably the longest and the hardest religious wolves he says in 17 be on your guard you'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues local council means the church council the jewish council and synagogue means you'll they'll flog you in the middle of their churches Sadly, the biggest attacks and damage that is done to the early church we see in Acts is their own people. Today, the biggest damage, we know this, in the global church, kind of our reputation as churches has been done by our own people. I can imagine a few of us can testify to this this morning. When you get a bunch of people broken together in need of a saviour, we sometimes act like broken people. Now, when I mention wolves in church, this is what the human instinct does, I believe. You may not relate to this, but we go, who's he talking about? Who's a wolf? Who's he been looking at the most? <laughs> I find myself looking at this side of the room and this side of the room, so if I'm looking at you, that's not the idea. That's not the idea here. Take a moment, calm down, and I want us to look inwards a bit this morning. We're not talking or trying to hunt some wolves in church. I encourage us to be a little less dramatic, have a self-check, and just have a think if there's any religious habits in our lives that can have some claws. Is there anything in our own lives 
that can be damaging. Because I want to talk about three quick things, three quick religious habits that Jesus came up against and his disciples came up against that had some real claws to them. The first one, and without spending too much time on this, first one is when religion gets or becomes a way to get power and position. 300 AD, the church does it, they win. A small group of persecuted people 300 years before with a Holy Spirit and following, uh, de- declaring that they follow a person that was apparently killed and they take over the known world. Christianity becomes the main faith. So instantly everyone has to follow Jesus. With that, instantly became two great things. On one side, we're sitting here, we're part of that. The church expanded. Every second hospital is called St. John, St. Peter, St. Because. Churches started that. Schools were started to read the Bible. Universities were started to study the Bible more. Healthcare systems, you trace them back. They've got Christian roots. And we live in an amazing time in the West where it's foundationally built on Judeo-Christian principles. That's the good side. The bad side is the church became a way to get power and position. It's the motive. And this is why we're doing a health check. I have to ask myself this all the time. This is a big thing for me. I need to check. Is my motives for power and position? Am I tripping on the power this week? Or am I becoming a servant of Christ. And so, just going to get you to write that down or ask yourself that question. Why are you here this morning? What v- motivates you? If I can be so bold, is there a little bit of you that wants a bit of power and position? Or is it to be a servant of Christ? One has claws, one has changed the world. The second religious habit that has some wolf-like claws that Jesus encountered is when it gets confused, when the church gets confused with tribalism. What's tribalism, some of you might say? I don't understand why you're using a word like that. I don't know, that's just the word that I liked. But if I can explain it in the most simple terms, as, as maybe Aria would say on an off day, Haley, you can't sit with me. Belle, go away, you're annoying. We're playing. Tribalism at its most simple, simple, simple roots. The church is at its worst. Not just this church, globally I'm talking about, is at its worst when it becomes an exclusive club. Jesus came against this every turn of the page. You can't eat with that person, they would say. You can't talk like that, Jesus. You can't go to that person's house. You can't say that, Jesus. That's not what we do here. You can't teach that way. You can't say that. You can't be that. Because we said, we don't like it, said the Pharisees. Jesus followed the word of God, but the Pharisees had developed extra laws on extra laws on those laws. And they hated him for being non-exclusive. Do you know how I know they hated him? Three years his ministry went for and then they killed him. 
I would say they hated. <laughs> they really, really hated the guy. One of the biggest reliefs when I came to this church, and I might put some people off here, but I'm not, it's, it's just a stylistic choice for me, is there was no communion table on the stage. Now, some of you are going, I like that. I'm, that's okay. The reason I was like, oh, is I know churches that have split over communion tables being moved. Seriously, it's not, not even in the last 50 years, I know churches that have split over communion tables being moved. So when I saw it wasn't up here, I was like, oh, at least that's not one way that won't get me fired. <laughs> I won't have to move that. I know a church in Queensland, a Church of Christ church, and I'm not doing this to knock our brothers and sisters. We need to be real about this. Recently, their, their club, their exclusive got so bad that they've went through two senior ministers quite quickly. And a youth pastor. I spoke to the youth pastor recently and they were in tears. And I sat with her. They got rid of leadership minus a few elders because they weren't saying what they liked. And now they just have interim sort of speakers come in. And all 10 of them enjoy that big, large church every Sunday morning. One of the oldest churches in Queensland, Church of Christ. And I'm not saying this to knock us. I'm saying just be careful. Don't confuse a radical, amazing, life-changing faith and community with tribalism. This building isn't our home. Our home is in Jesus. Amen? Third thing. I'm going to quick... Move, move through this. Because it's, it's really fun, isn't it? It's a fun conversation. I'm having a ball. <laughs> Very encouraging. <laughs> it says, faith without deeds is dead. Jesus, well, James says. And Jesus calls us to practice. So this one is hard. Confusing effort with earning. It has some claws. It's so easy to get caught up with the works of the church. It's so easy to feel like we're performing for God's love. If I just do this, then God will be happy. If I do this, then he'll give me this. We're not called to earn his love through works. As we just remembered, we're covered by the blood of Jesus. It is finished, he said. Rather, we practice and we put effort into the kingdom because of what he's done, as a response to what he's doing in us. A works-based ministry is probably, and I put it because I wanted to be real with you, if I'm asking you guys to reflect, works-based ministry is my biggest trap. I can get to the end of the week, got my to-do list, got Josh a to-do list. I'm big on my to-do list, aren't I, Josh? <laughs> Tick some stuff. Visits, done this, done this, done all the church work. But some weeks, if I'm honest with you, I'm like, when did I ask God to be involved in this week? I just get in the zone. God understands, I'm a minister, he understands. That's what I tell myself. A works-based ministry will cause some serious claws. You'll burn your people out. 
You'll burn your friends out. You'll we'll burn the church out if we think we're trying to earn, earn our way into heaven. Confusing effort with earning. So two more wolves and I'm going to go real super fast because that was the main heavy one causing self-reflection. Second wolf we can encounter is government wolves. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witness to them and to the Gentiles. When we, we live in a pretty blessed country, as mentioned, our laws are pretty fair most of the time. Most of us, not all of us can eat and sleep somewhere tonight. If someone attacks us or wrongs us, our justice system does a daily good job, a fair job. It's okay. And like I said, it's because we're built on Judeo-Christian values. But I don't know if you've noticed, and I know you've noticed because you're Christians in this world, for most of us. The West is quickly becoming less tolerant of our practices and our beliefs and our ways. Mez, Mez, who was up here, my wife, started is a social worker in a hospital. And uh, she's gone from... Um, she's gone from being able to tell people when I was a teacher, I'm married to a teacher or um, different things I've done. That was my profession. But some people say, now, what do you do? And she goes, oh, my, my husband's a senior pastor at a, a local church in Burley. And she came back off maternity leave a couple of months ago. And they said, oh, what do you do? And me and my, yeah, said that. And she has weekly tales of questions and wacky things. And they've, they've, they say... Um, they say, are you allowed to wear some of the stuff she wears? How come your head's not covered? Um, little digs here and there, they're just there, but they're fascinated as well. Um, there's one, one lady that was attacking her nearly every week, just not, not even not punching or anything, just, oh, you're not allowed to do that, are you, Mez? Oh, you wouldn't do that, would you, Mez? Across the lunchroom table. Not pretending it's going to jail or being persecuted for your faith, but there is a tolerance. When you step out and you say, I have a certain belief, in Jesus, it can be difficult still here in the West. Cool that one, of, well, although it works, one of the girls, one of the girls have come to her last week and said, can your husband do my wedding? Because she doesn't know a single other minister in her life. It's amazing, but there's this oppression. Are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to have two coffees? Are you allowed to have one? It's like ridiculous things, but they're sussing her out. There's this certain oppression. There's this shame culture building. There's this kingdom with we don't need the king. And the wolves in our society, the powers and principalities of this world are pretty dark. And we need to remember that, that we will get some of that. We may lose a job. We may lose a promotion. We may not get that business deal. We may lose a relationship based on our beliefs. Jesus is clear. And number three, family wolves. A man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. I don't really know how to speak to this one. I grew up, I've been blessed. I grew up in a family that had been very supportive 
Um, so when I said I'm going into ministry, they said, don't you dare burn out on us. And that's about it. Um, you'll see that my, my family are either here or they come here once every now and then to support us. My brother-in-law is a minister. It's, I, I haven't known that feeling. But I've sat with people in the West that have made decisions and it has rocked their marriage. Faith decisions. Or the family tribalism can't understand why they're not doing it their way anymore and have said, oh, that's for you. Or they disregard it. Or mothers, who are des- or mothers and fathers, parents who are desperately trying to communicate to their kids how important living in Jesus is, not just for salvation eternally, but the hope today. And it breaks their heart as they say to their parents, that's good for you. I'm not old enough to have kids that have made those type of decisions yet, so I'm not the expert on this. But if that's you, if you've experienced the claws of families being broken apart. One story, a a guy that I know from another church has married and his wife is um, Islam, follows Islam, and he converted when he married her. And then he found Jesus. And he will meet, and he won't mind me sharing this, but he'll, and he'll be tearing up because he goes, I love her, but I love Jesus. And now we're going to have kids together. What do we do, Steve? And I give him all the answers. Of course I don't. I don't have a clue. I go, let's pray, mate. Let's pray. It has claws. It has some serious claws. I can see in this room now there's been a few people scratched. So is that the message? Life's hard, stepping out into the unknown on Monday. Thanks, Steve. We're ready for morning tea. No, that's not the message. In this passage, Jesus admits that becoming an apprentice to him is difficult. Taking our faith seriously and looking to bring the good news to the world is dangerous. Jesus highlights here that you may be arrested, accused, assassinated verbally and physically, or most, and sometimes the hardest, alone, feeling like you're the only one out there on the edge. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship, a book this man wrote, says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Maybe not literally, but certainly to ourselves. But here's some passages, here's some parts of that verse that Jesus says. Listen to this. Matthew 10.26 says, have no fear of them. Matthew 10.27, say in the light, proclaim on the housetops. Matthew 10.28 says, do not fear. Matthew 10.28 says, fear God. Matthew 10.28 says, fear not. Do not fear what the world can do to you, Jesus says. Do not fear what your family can say. Do not fear even what your church can do. God is with you. God is for you and he's promised to be with you to the end of the age. He was spat on. He was accused. He's been arrested by his own mates, betrayed by one of the 12, one of his inner circle, one of his small group. And just before he died, he was pretty much alone on the cross, even feeling the weight of his sin and the connection within the Trinity feeling the weight and disconnection within that, calling out to the Father 
feeling alone. He died for them though, he said. I'm dying for them, he died for you. John 15, 18, 25 says this, and I'm going to read just the first part. If the world hates you, keep this in mind, that it hated me first. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you'll go through. And he died so that you can be with him in that. The Holy Spirit stirs amongst you and you can be brave. Step out into the unknown. Just as the band are about to come up. In fact, I'll get you to set up so we don't run out of time because I want to sing, I want to do a last song. So I'll get you to come up, guys. And I just want to speak to four people here this morning. Firstly, maybe you don't know Jesus. Have some comfort that you're hearing a preacher this morning give you the absolute truth of what it costs. But at the same time, we're all here because it's the most amazing decision you can make. Living life to the fullest. He says, give up your life so you can have life. If that's you, come and have a chat to me after. I'd love you to introduce you to Jesus. It's the most amazing adventure you will go on, ever. Number two, you're in the fight. You're in the fight. This week, I was worried I was going to tear up actually this week because I felt the fight this week. Nothing major, no big controversy. I've just felt the fight this week. So it's not why it's me. I'll just be honest with you, I felt the fight this week. If that's you, it just just keep going. God's with you. Don't have to earn anything off of Him. He loves you. He's here with us. He's a part of Burley Heads Church of Christ. And He knows what you're going through. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. And feel free afterwards to come on down and get prayed for as well. And then, I don't know what number I'm up to. Three. Three. Here's the one I really want to address this morning. If you've been knocked off the horse, if you've been if you've been scratched and you've just decided that's it for me and my faith, I'll never step out again. You come here, but you're a spectator. Like watching the footy. You cheer a little, you tell the players off. But you'll never, ever, ever get on the field again. I want to pray for healing for you this morning. I want to pray that you can be restored. Burley Heads of Church of Christ as a community is going places, going straight towards the kingdom of God, straight towards Jesus. And I want every single person in this church to be a part of that. Not in a work sense, but practicing for Jesus and seeing his kingdom come. If you have been hurt, Scratched, and you are now just being a pew warmer. Maybe some, I know guys and girls that have done it for like 60, 70 years after one encounter that really scratched them. If that's you, I ask you to consider re engaging, joining with us. You're not alone. We're here. That's the idea of community. And you're especially not alone because Jesus, his spirit, is with you. And the fourth one, I think we'll just go with three. Let me pray. We're going to worship, worship God.
Father, wherever we sit this morning, whatever we've been hit with, whatever we're feeling, you're bigger than that. Father, you're bigger than that. Whether we don't know you, whether we know you and we just need some encouragement, or whether we've been hit real bad and we just need to get back on the horse. (laughs) Need to re-engage, not be a spectator. Lord, I just pray for that type of healing to come upon us this morning. I pray your spirit rejuvenates us, restores us. And that we can hold on to the promises that in you there is new life. In you there's a seat at the Father's table. In you there is eternal purpose and life both now and eternally. In you we can be washed clean. In you we don't have to look like the rest of the world. In you we can be set apart. In you we can be brave. We can have no fear. Have no fear. You say have no fear. Thank you for doing it first, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Name. Amen. Name. Amen.